everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, par usual, Jeff, and uh, the other part of that par usual, well, I don't know why I have to say it like that, is Mark A. Johnson. Mark, welcome back from your holiday, sir. Jeff, I think your uh, speech problem's coming back. Uh, you, you sounded really weird right it, there. That's French. Uh, I, I oh. do speak French on this podcast occasionally, par natural. <laughs> Although that's not what I said just a minute ago, but you know, uh, close enough. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have a certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah, that's uh, that's really about the extent of my French, but I do speak French. So, well, you know, I don't even speak French food. It, so I'm completely <laughs> in the dark. I'm sorry. This is a very highbrow podcast. So yes, let's. Uh, I don't let's, think uh, the French tune in, man. Yeah, we're we're big in we're big in uh, in Lyon. Especially Denmark, Denmark. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, before we uh, just read down all of the countries where we're huge uh, from from <laughs> over. In, I'm sure everybody's in so interested. Let us get ready and let's just get right into our show. We've got a good show for you today. It is in case you have not tuned into any sort of media anywhere. It's Black History Month. And so, you know, I realized, Mark, that especially last week. We did a show on possibly the whitest uh, person we've ever done a show on in Steve Garvey. So I thought we better. That's a great correct point. course. <laughs> <laughs> and let us I mean, it, frankly, it's Black History Month all the time here on this show. We love to talk about the Negro Leagues. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about the Negro Leagues today, but we're going to do it in a little bit different way about two people that you might not be as familiar with. So I'm excited to talk about that. But Mark. Par usual, again, sorry to be so... I'm going to take French lessons. <laughs> Bougie, but yeah, let's, uh, before we do anything, let's get into BP. All right, Mark, like, I got a lot of things that I want to talk about here today. Some of them are more contemporary, and some of them I, I just want to bring up to talk about. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about Brady Anderson. Okay. You have no idea where this is going, do you? Because no, I'm hoping it's sideburns because I got a killer pair myself. No, but I, I think I found somebody that's a big, big fan of sideburns. Oh, okay. And that is a a member of the K-pop group. I guess they're former. They've been on hiatus for quite a while. I don't think they're coming back. But the uh, K-pop group CSJH The Grace, which I think you're a big fan of, if I remember correctly. Uh, when I was a tween, yes. I don't I don't even think K-pop had been invented back then. But regardless... I'm not as old as you think, man. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I know how old you are. Did you know that Brady Anderson is in a relationship with a K-pop supergroup member? No, that I did not know. Yeah, Grace Stephanie is her name. As I said, she's a, a former member of CSJH The Grace... But they are in a relationship. She's kind of young. She's 23 years younger than Brady at this point. But love knows no age. They're going at it pretty hot and heavy. They are big news in uh, some of these Korean websites that I've been reading up about this. I don't know how this came across my news feed, but it did. And I, <laughs> of course, had to read it. They are a very private, uh, very private couple, though. They spend most of their time at Brady's house and they they are a lot like me. They are shut in. They don't go out a lot because if they did, there would be a lot of pictures taken for uh, Korean media. But no, 
They are uh, happily together. They are not married. Brady Anderson is 58 years old at this point, which is kind of hard to believe. I think he probably still looks 31-ish. Yes. Unless those steroids. Yes, I bet he does. Unless those steroids really take me until. Oof. Yeah, but uh, so if you do the quick math, and again, I did go to a Pac-12 school, so please excuse me if I am wrong, but I believe that makes her 33. Right. Which is also ancient in in K-pop age. Best wishes to them. She's a, a very uh, beautiful woman, and uh, you know, congrats to him. Well done, Brady, and uh, never give up on those mutton chops, my friend, never. Uh, some sad news. We had a couple of players, I'm sure most people have heard, but uh, we just want to remember that a couple of players have passed away recently. Both Gerald Williams and Jeremy Giambi passed away last week. Not, uh, it's not been great. A lot of, a lot of guys from the eighties and nineties and even early two thousands are, are, are passing away. Unfortunately, Jeremy Giambi uh, took his own life, uh, which is just sad to do that he must have had some some real issues and i mean i i've heard a lot of stories about jeremy giambi when he was playing and uh he seemed to i guess the phrase is burn the candle from both ends and uh, unfortunately it seems like a lot of things going on and that's uh that's very sad gerald williams uh, also passed away last week I remember, I remember Gerald Williams a lot. He was, you know, he came through Atlanta a lot when I worked there. But the memory of Gerald Williams that I remember the most is when he charged Pedro Martinez. Oh, my, yes. We've, you know, I, I wonder how many shows we have used the phrase and, and charged Pedro Martinez because <laughs> it happened a bit. Yeah, he was the kind of guy that would occasionally throw inside. He, he seemed to, to, to like to pitch inside. But uh, Gerald Williams' nickname was Ice. I like that. Ice, Wait, do you think that was a vanilla kind of uh, <laughs> reference or just, he was clutch maybe. Yeah, ice as in nothing got to him. Yeah. Ice, ice water in his veins. Well, 14 years in the big leagues for Gerald Williams. Uh, he was never a member of a Yankee World Series team, which is huh. strange. Played 17 of those 14 years were with New York. He was an, an everyday guy. I mean, there are... You know, about half the seasons that he played, he was over 100 games. The rest of them, a lot of injuries at the end of his career. But a lifetime 255 hitter, only a 301 on base and an 82 OPS. But uh, Gerald Williams unfortunately passed away. And then Jeremy Giambi, I as an A's fan, beyond just the sad news that he passed away, just having to relive the slide a whole lot last week. Oh, the non-slide? The non-slide, yeah. And I think I found uh, one of those interviews I read with him, actually, he, he somebody asked him, why, you know, what do you, would you have been safe if you slid? And uh, I think his response was, well, I thought I was safe and I didn't slide, so why would I slide? Hmm. Jeremy Jombi and Gerald Williams. Uh, on a better note last week, Mark, we continue to get endorsed by celebrities across the internet, this podcast. Right. We've made mention before that until this lockout ends we are posting a ricky henderson picture or video every day we're in the 70s now we're going strong we have had uh, great response to these uh, these tweets we got a really good one a really good response and an actual retweet from somebody that has ties to ricky henderson last week and it was none other than mr mc hammer himself 
And I say MC Hammer because that's what his Twitter handle is with the blue check mark. I thought he just went by Hammer, but there it is. Yeah, I, I, I was when you let me know. I was I was in Las Vegas and I was pretty excited. I wondered what the odds were against that happening. I think the bookmakers really took a bath on that one when that happened. <laughs> That had been on the board for a while, but it was, uh, I had reposted a copy of Ricky's first cover of Sports Illustrated. And not only did he reply, or uh, no, he retweeted it, but then he replied and he took the uh, the picture that I had attached and apparently did some uh, color correction in either Photoshop or, or some other program and reposted it in a response. I guess my work was not satisfactory enough for Mr. Hammer, but regardless. Certainly appreciated. Yeah, I mean, and, I, you know, I have heard that Ricky was one of the guys that did give uh, give MC Hammer a little bit of money to start his, you know, to do his first, a demo. Oh, a demo. To do his first demo, yeah. There you go. And, and of course, you know how he got the nickname Hammer. Of course. <laughs> That tells me that you don't, you, you do know, but you don't remember is what it tells me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when he was the bat boy for the Oakland A's, as we've talked about before, and as well as the vice president of the entire ball club, the, uh, the players thought he bore a resemblance to Henry Aaron. So they called him hammer and that he took that as his rap name. Perfect. That's a serious compliment. Yeah. Did I tell that as you remember it? I'm going to be 100% honest with you, Jeff. I did not know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's how he got his nickname, Hammer. So there we hey, go. I'll tell you what, Hammer, you want to come on the show and talk baseball, You are it's 100% open door. All right, let's move on to some more baseball. Uh, this made me laugh because I am a child. I did not know that Honus Wagner had a brother that played in the big leagues. Really? He did. And what made me laugh is uh, his name. He went by this name. This is the name he goes by in baseball reference is Butts. <laughs> Butts Wagner? Butts Wagner. That His full name is Albert Wagner, but he went by Butts. This is this reminds me a lot of I.P. Freely and Seymour Butts, two of the most <laughs> famous authors of my childhood. Oh, my goodness. You know, he, this. This is funny. A uh, uh, few people know that I've been in a couple of really bad movies. And one of them was called Operation Trike Strike. It was a kid's movie. And I played the main villain, and my name was, and I quote, Harry Butts. <laughs> nice. I had a brother named Stinky, and uh, we were the Butts brothers. And so I, I have a little bit of an affinity for, for the Butts name. And not necessarily would go by it as a first name. But he may have earned it. We all know that the Honus Wagner baseball card is very sought after, right? Was there a Butts a Butts Wagner baseball card ever made? It would be worth more to me, to be honest. I think it would be. And we're going to need to find that out. But Butts Wagner, he only peered, he only played for one year in the big leagues. And he split time between the Washington Senators and the Brooklyn Bridegrooms in 1898. He was a, he's listed here as a third baseman, an outfielder, a shortstop, and a second baseman. He uh, totaled between those two teams, uh, only 74 games played. He hit a robust 226 and a 279 on base for a 67 OPS+. plus. Uh, He did record four stolen bases. One home run, 
not a lot of power. Uh, let's yeah. see. Walked. He, you know, I do give him this. He did walk more than he struck out. Walked 16 times, struck out 10. Way to go butts. Yeah. And overall, that is a war of minus 1.2. Yikes. Wow. That's something I, I would pull him in Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, yes. I, I tell you what, man. If I can find a Butts Wagner card on T206 or the like, I've got to make a bid on it. So, you know, he was involved in one trade. Uh, he was purchased along with Bob McHale, Dan McGann, and Cooney Snyder by the Senators. And uh, they paid exactly $8,500 for them. And wow, then they so were then, then he was returned to the Senators by the bridegrooms. So they were, they were like, thank you, but uh, here you go. You can have them back. Wow. They must have kept the receipt. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Maybe the Wagner family adopted butts because he, he kind of had half his brother's ability well he looks a lot like him i'm looking at his picture here butts wagner might have to become kind of an unofficial mascot i don't know we can't we can't have a person as a mascot but <laughs> i, I don't want butt. he can't be a patron saint of this no 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 i mean we have a very specific requirements to be a patron saint and we, i just don't know enough about him yet but we'll look into into butts wagner all right, one last thing here before we get into trivia. ESPN.com last week ranked MLB uniforms all time. They're like, here's your top 20 uniforms that have been seen on Major League fields of all time. Now, I have a huge problem with this list. First off, there were two City Connect uniforms that made this list, which automatically makes this list lose all credibility for me. That's terrible. They are awful. They uh, did list the Dodgers and the Yankees as number one and number two. I can see the Yankees uh, at the top of the list or near the top of the list. I, the Dodgers, I don't know if that if they're that high up. Maybe maybe the Brooklyn Dodgers because those are just classics. Yeah, and I mean, the, uh, kind of the point is that the Dodgers, like the Yankees, have just never really changed their uniform. They they look very similar to. When they were the trolley Dodgers. Right. And as Steve Garvey said, they look like an American flag. They are, you know, not my favorite. I, I wouldn't put them up there with the Yankees or some other ones. Uh, I do like, though, that they had the Mets jerseys from 83 to 90. You know, those pullovers with the Sansa belt pants yes, and the, the, yes. the pinstripes. That was those were listed high, which is good. They listed those right next to the A's gold jerseys from the 70s. But there was no oh, mention of their Kelly Green ones, which everybody across the board loves. I think they missed out there. Hmm. Your Mariners did come in on the list at number 20 with the uh, the Trident uniforms. Ah, uh, Yes, it became a, became a classic over a short amount of time. Yeah. What about the Astros? Uh, the tequila. Red, yellow, orange. Yeah, the. Tequila Sunrise, they came in number 15. Okay, just so they were mentioned. So they, they were there. I think they should be. Uh, they had the, uh, my favorite, had the jersey number on the pants, on the thigh, which I am always a fan of. Yeah, so just, you put City Connect in there, though, and I'm going to lose interest. We feel the same way about that. Oh, All right, God. let's get to our trivia question. Last week, Mark, I asked you, and it's been a while since we've actually talked because we recorded before you went on vacation. But last week, the question uh, had to do, Tom Brady finally 
says he is retired. And my question was, who is the last active player in Major League Baseball to have actually played in a game for the Seattle Pilots? Now, you being a lifelong Seattleite, Tacomian, Tacomian, Taconan, how do you, how do you like to be? I don't want to. Tacomanite. 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 <laughs> do you have an answer for me? <laughs> uh, no, I have absolutely no answer. I'm going to use the name Uther Bachman. Oh, he was the second last active player for the Seattle Pilots. He was a bullpen catcher, actually, for them. But no, the answer is actually Fred Chicken Stanley. Wow. See, I wasn't even born when Fred Stanley played, okay? Oh, yeah, you you, you were. Uh, Right on the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. So Fred Chicken Stanley, by the way, was an infielder also after he finished his major league career for the St. Lucie Legends of the Senior Professional Baseball Association. We've talked about that many times before. Yes. And there's a great story because a photographer was there on, on, on picture day to take pictures for baseball cards, which we have also mentioned that set of baseball cards. And he saw Stanley in the locker room and asked him if he was Jerry Grote, uh, the catcher. Stanley, as a joke, said, yes, yes, I am. I'm, I am Jerry Grote. <laughs> So he put on the catcher's gear and he posed for a picture for a baseball card, very reminiscent of that 85 tops Gary Pettis card, which is actually Gary's younger brother, who was 14 at the time. So it's a mistake. It happens. 14 year old looked like a major leaguer. Uh, Chicken actually started out. His nickname was originally Chicken Wing. And he said, quote, I don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger coming out of high school. I was thin and lanky and I couldn't gain weight. Then they told me I ran funny, too, like a chicken. I thought I ran fine. That's how he got his nickname. It's kind of similar to Turkey Stearns, isn't that? how? I think that's how he got his nickname, because people thought he ran like a turkey. Yeah, I believe that's it. Uh, Fred Stanley, 14 years in the big leagues, eight of it with the Yankees. Uh, in 1982 was his final year. And he was still a regular, regular player. At age 34. He only hit 193 that year, but he appeared in over 100 games. Well, I mean, he was there. Yeah. He does also have two World Series rings. So he got that those. In, for something. Yeah, in, uh, in 77 and 78 with the Yankees. So that does help. All right. Uh, we did have a couple of people. Now, see, we can read names this week. Marco Sines, Brian Krause, and Edward Adams. Congratulations to you three. You win our undying gratitude we appreciate that and uh, i got a new question for you to think about for next week henry aaron retired with of course 755 career home runs how many of them were inside the park jobs Ooh, that's a good question yeah henry was not known as a quick guy but then again you know neither were cecil or uh prince fielder and they each have one yeah all right Let us know. We'll tell you how to get a hold of us if you don't know at the end of the show. But, Mark, let's let the guys come out, actually earn their paycheck this week. Grounds crew's going to wet down the infield because we're a fast team and we're on the road. So they want to really wet it down. It's going to be like a quagmire over there at first base. But we'll still run. And uh, let's get on with our main, main part of the show here. Mark, last week, we already mentioned that it is Black History Month this month. Last week, Google, you know, on their on their main page, they put a different doodle up every day. And mm-hmm. during Black History Month, they have been highlighting different 
historical figures. And last week they put up a, a little doodle of Tony Stone, of which a lot of people, not our listeners, because we've talked about her before, but uh, didn't weren't familiar with Tony Stone. And so while we've only talked about her kind of in passing, I thought it might be nice to kind of give a little bit more detail about Tony Stone. I also want to talk about uh, somebody named Joe Relliford. And, uh, you know, despite Major League Baseball finally acknowledging Negro League stats as Major League stats, you will not find either of these two people on Baseball Reference. There are no stats for them. And I'll explain why here as we go through them. So first of all, Tony Stone with Tony spelled T-O-N-I. And if you haven't guessed it from what I've been saying, she's a woman, was a woman. Tony was born Marcinia Lynn Stone in West Virginia, but grew up in Minnesota. She enjoyed playing baseball a lot, despite her mother trying to get her to do some more, participate in some more ladylike sports like figure skating and softball, but they just weren't enough of a challenge for Tony. Tony's hometown team, the St. Paul Saints, were managed by Gabby Street, who, when he wasn't trying to catch balls thrown from the Washington Monument or calling games with uh, Harry Carey, he was there in St. Paul after his playing career. After watching Tony, Gabby knew that she had some talent, maybe more than some of his own players, but he could not put her on his team. So she started to play some ball on the weekends with the Twin City Colored Giants and started making money doing so. Tony eventually said, hey, I can uh, I can make more money playing baseball than hanging around here in Minnesota. So she moved to San Francisco. Where her sister lived and uh, hoped that there might be some more chances to play on the West Coast and help support her family. Now, Mark, you did a segment on the West Coast Negro League Baseball Association a while back. Yeah. Yeah, and that was very interesting. And when you talked about that, uh, we talked about that the league was started by Abe Saperstein and Jesse Owens. Hmm. Well, the San Francisco Seals were in that short-lived league, but after it folded, they started barnstorming around the country. It was a perfect fit for Tony, who talked her way into a tryout where she was impressed with her talent, but she also promised to be able to draw crowds, which... You know, when you're a barnstorming team, that's what you want. You want to be able to draw crowds because that's how you make money. Well, that got her a spot on the roster, and she was not lying. She was able to draw a lot of interest in the team, but now stop me if this sounds familiar. She was paid significantly less than her male teammates, so she stayed oh, there yeah. only for a short time. Same, same stuff, different year, different century. She ended up with the New Orleans Creoles. The Creoles were known for having had women as both coaches and players in the past. She played there for three seasons before moving on to a team called the Indianapolis Clowns. Now, the Clowns were partially owned by our guy Abe Saperstein again. The, uh, the team is kind of like, remember Abe Saperstein was also, uh, he was involved with the Harlem Globetrotters. And the clowns were kind of the baseball version of the Globetrotters. They would do, you know, they play pepper before the game and they had some skits in between innings, but they were an actual legitimate baseball team. The team drew record crowds with Tony and she was a big part of it and was included in all of the team's promotions. It was reported that she was being paid as much as $12,000, which was a huge amount back then. But here's the thing. She wasn't even paid close to that. It was all about promotion, of course. Yeah. Uh, they asked her also to play in a skirt. Uh, she would not. 
Uh, nobody else was playing in a skirt, so why should she? The clowns were a big draw, though. Henry Aaron, who we just talked about, he's part of the trivia question. He also played with the uh, with the clowns before being signed by Milwaukee. While she drew more crowds for the clowns in the Negro Leagues, she was not popular with players. Now, this is not a Steve Garvey, Gary Carter-like situation. It's just her opponents and teammates regularly taunted her just because they were men. And that's what men do when they're stupid. They would tell her to get back in the kitchen or ask, you know, why, why aren't you pregnant? And just, Lord, just some stupid things. I don't know if I would want to hear or if I would fear to hear what Keith Hernandez would say, seeing her (laughs) on the field. Uh, She bore scars from uh, players sliding hard into her with cheap shots as retribution for being a woman who dared to play on the field with men. But she wore them as uh, as medals of honor, almost. Most people, of course, knew about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League because of the movie A League of Their Own. And if you remember, there is a scene, it was kind of a subtle scene, but that let everybody know that that league was for white women only. And I believe, yes. I, I think they were warming up and the ball got yes. loose. Uh, African-American woman picked it up and just threw a seed to Dottie or whatever her name was. And uh, it was a, a great way to show, um, you know, someone was left out. As is usually the case here with at this time. I'm guessing that Tony probably wouldn't have liked to play in that league anyway. She was a serious, serious talent. And I'm, I think she would be kind of like, a team full of Mike Trouts and Shohei Otanes in that league. It just seemed like she liked playing with the men more, whether they accepted her or not. We talked about Jackie Mitchell way back in a real early episode and how she struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig in 1931. Whether it was a gimmick with Ruth and Gehrig in on it or not is not really important, but there's a similar tale about Tony. So Stone supposedly got a hit off of Satchel Page in an exhibition game against the St. Louis Browns on Easter Sunday in 1953. Now, there are no records of this game ever happening, but likewise, nobody's been able to disprove it. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and believe that it happened. We're going to advance the theory. We're going we're gonna to keep it rolling, yeah. Stone's story has been written about in several books. It was made into a play, and she can be found in Cooperstown in the Women in Baseball exhibition. Uh, Like I said, though, there are no stats. I can't give you, I can't tell you what her on-base percentage was. Can't tell you what her OPS plus was because it wouldn't have been able to be calculated anyway. But, uh, you know, there are no stats for her because she played in the Negro Leagues as a woman. (laughs) So it just, just did not happen. Now I want to talk about Joe Relaford who I'm guessing is right in line with Tony Stone in terms of nobody's probably heard of him. I don't want to say nobody. We've got smart listeners. We Uh, do. Joe was the ninth of 10 kids. Yikes. Born in a small town in Fitzgerald, Georgia in 1952. Now, despite the size of Fitzgerald, Georgia, it had two professional baseball teams. When he was 10 years old, Joe wanted to help his mother out make some money for the family. The Lucky Stars was the Negro League minor league club in town. So he initially went there. If you can't tell, he was a uh, uh, an African-American boy. Uh, but they already had a bat boy. They didn't need another one. The Fitzgerald Pioneers, though, 
the other team, how, well, how would I say it, non-Negro League team in town, they needed one, though. So despite the pioneers thinking that Joe was just too young for the job, he was persistent. And eventually, I think they hired him just to get him to leave him alone. But they hired him at the rate of $68 for every two weeks. Now, that was a very good salary for a grown man at that time, let alone a 10-year-old boy. Relaford's big day came three years later. He was in his fourth year as the Bat Boy for the Pioneers when his team was being blown out by the rival Statesboro Pilots. Oh, I hate those pilots. Remember those guys? Yeah. Oh my gosh, they used to play us at PLU. Yeah, they're the worst. But they were up 13 to nothing. It's a blowout. Both teams long out of the pennant race at this point. The section designated for non-whites at the Pioneer Stadium was down the right field line, and it was pretty much empty at this point. Joe could very well have been the, in, the only black person in the entire stadium. There weren't many people there anyways, because uh, as I said, this was a blowout late in the season. But those who did remain started cheering for the Pioneers to play the Bat Boy. That, of course, being Joe. <laughs> Player manager Charlie Ridgway, he's like, I got nothing to lose here. This, this game's over. The season's almost over. Why not? So he took the Pioneers' leading hitter, Ray Neeching, out, and he sent 12-year-old Joe to the plate. 12 years old. Oh, my God. Uh, The Statesboro Pilots initially protested the move, but both teams agreed that if Joe actually got a hit, the game would be forfeited. Well, he didn't get a hit, but he did make contact, and he was thrown out after grounding out to third. The crowd, though, was into this. They were so excited to see him get up there and then to see him, you know, put the ball in play. This was a thing. They were happy. They were enjoying it. It was literally a boy amongst men. Again, this game... 13 to nothing. So manager Ridgeway said, hey, Joe, go play in the outfield. <laughs> so oh, wow. as, you know, as a bat boy, and he'd been a bat boy, this is being his fourth season, he had done plenty of practicing with the team, shagging balls, throwing, taking swings in, in the cage and so forth. So they knew that he was a good baseball player. Despite his age, he had a very good arm and he was very athletic. So to start the next inning, they put Joe in right field. The pilots get a runner on first base, and the next batter up singles into right field. So that base runner, even though it's 13 to nothing, isn't that one of those unwritten rules? You don't want to take that extra base at this point? It it is, yeah. But I guess it wasn't written down, so he said, well, there's a a 12-year-old in right field. I'm going to go to third. (laughs) Well, he tried him. But Joe had a hose on him, I told you, and he gunned Uh-oh. him down easily. The ball was waiting for him at third base. Next up for the Pilots was Harold Schuster, who was their best hitter. And this was his la- This was going to be his last at-bat of the game. And he's trying to extend a 21-game hitting streak. Been held hitless so far. So Schuster hits a long fly ball into deep center field. And Joe gets on his horse and tracks this down and records the out. So that ended the game. Now, not because one team had won, because obviously the the or the pioneers are the home team, so they've at least got to come to bat one more time. But no, the game was over because after he made that catch, the small crowd that was still there rushed the field in excitement. <laughs> so imagine this. Your 12-year-old boy, you're stuck in a professional baseball game in right field. You make this catch, and then a crowd of white people charge the field yelling at you. Probably <laughs> probably a little scary at this point. 
But uh, they were there to congratulate him. They were patting him on the back and started stuffing money in his pockets and waistband. That never he, happens to me, Jeff. No, no. Hell, he he left with over fifty dollars in cash from this game. My goodness. So there were repercussions for this stunt. The league suspended the manager Ridgeway. They immediately fired the umpire who let this happen. And at the end of the season, the pilots eventually let Relaford go. Uh, Joe went on to be a four-sport star in high school. He had multiple scholarships for multiple sports and ended up choosing to play football at Florida A&M. Unfortunately, though, he got injured early in his career, and the injury at that point was something that he could not come back from. He has spent the rest of his life in Douglas, Georgia, where he still lives. Throughout his time, he was a jukebox repairman and a police officer. He also coached both youth baseball and football. And like Tony Stone, Joe is represented in the Hall of Fame in an exhibit. Very nice. So I had never heard of Joe Relaford, and I thought that was really cool. He's technically, he became the youngest player to ever play in a professional baseball game. Uh, let's see, the, the league that they were playing in was uh, at this point the Georgia-Florida League. And Isn't that you, a lot? Yeah, and I think that's a line. I think that the Georgia-Florida <laughs> line, yeah. But there you go. So Joe Relaford and Tony Stone, now you know. That's good stuff, Jeff. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the main segment of the show. And Mark, you know what that means. What does it mean? What does it mean? It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax Heroes. All right, before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the junk wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark... With that, which team are you picking? Um, I'll just go with the, the last autographed baseball card I drew, uh, the San Diego Padres. All right, so if you're going to go with the Padres, how about if I, have we, have we ever chosen the Expos? I truly doubt it. I don't think we have. I'm going to go with the Expos. And Mark, I'm feeling it today, too. You're currently ahead 14 to 8 on, on the scoreboard. I am feeling it today and I'm putting my best 10 players out there on the field. So just know that I'm bringing it today. All right. You know, and I feel a little, uh, out of practice 
yeah. you know, haven't been gone so long. It, you seem to be doing just fine on the scoreboard. All right, I got two packs here. I've got two packs of Series 1 1991 scorecards. There are 16 cards Ooh. in here. So we're going to have to each lose six cards. I've got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. I'm going to let you choose which one you want. I've been doing well with the right hand. All right, I'm going to have you go first. I'm going to be the home team again. My home record is awful, but uh, I like to go second. All right, do you want to lose the uh, first or the last six? Uh, the last six. Last Just six. throw out six Hall of Famers. Go for it. Well, I can see at the back of the card, uh, the, the the final card in this pack is Charlie Huff. So you would have uh-huh. had like a 502-year-old Charlie Huff. But let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, well, you are going to lose at least one Hall of Famer. Uh, uh yeah, you've got Mr. Edgar Martinez, third baseman for the Mariners. Wow, you got Sammy Sosa with the White Sox, Roberto Kelly, Oda B. McDowell, Felix Fermin, and the aforementioned Charlie Huff. So the players in there. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the the Sosa and the and the Martinez are probably gonna gonna sting. But let's uh, let's see what else you got here. All right, starting off here, you have got a pitcher for the Guardians. It is John Farrell. Farrell pitched for a good while. I yeah, think. Yeah, we've had him many times because we mentioned how he went on to become a pitching coach and a manager and uh, all that kind of stuff. Let's see, John Farrell, eight years in the big leagues. Now, this is this is almost like my luck. So these are 91 cards. He played from 87 to 90 and then 93 to 96. He had a big injury. Yeah. The good news for you, though, is that he is wearing real stirrups in this picture. Well, I got something out of it. So, yeah, you're going to get a, a tenth of a point for that. So congratulations uh, to, to you there. And this is in the um, uh, Mistake by the Lake, old Cleveland Municipal Stadium there. All right. Next, you got a guy that believes in dinosaurs. It's Mookie Wilson. Mookie. The, the former Mookie, not the current Mookie. Let's see. Mookie played for 12 years in the big leagues. In 1991, it was his final year. He was with Toronto at this point. Uh, he played both left and center and DH'd a little bit, appeared in 86 games, hit 241, a 277 on base percentage. He walked eight times in 258 plate appearances. That is a bat on your shoulder. It's a free swinger right there. All of that will get you a war of minus 0.4. Great. That's some good ball playing right there. Uh, let's see. He does have real stirrups on, so that will help you to only be a minus 0.3. Well, I've got the best dress team so far. Yeah, and you know, if this was uh, a f- next season, he is wearing a no ear flap helmet. So that would, I, I've already determined that that's one of the things we need to vote on for next no. year. This is how I know that we've talked about Mookie quite a bit, uh, because uh, Wilson and his family released a gospel album. Don't worry, oh, the Lord right. will carry you through. That's we, right. We have talked about that many times. We've not listened to it, but we've talked about it. All right. Next, you get a guy that threw a no-hitter with an asterisk. For the Yankees, it's Andy Hawkins. Andy played for, I remember him, uh, of course, as a Yankee, but he was a Padre, too. Yeah, he came up with the Padres and spent seven of his 10-year career, seven seasons of his 10-year career with San Diego. 1991 was his final year in the big leagues. You've got a lot of guys that are wrapping it up. Yeah, I do. He split time between the Yankees and then was traded to my Oakland Athletics. Where he went four and four, he was zero and two with the Yankees. All in all, in 1991, he went four and six with a 5.52 ERA, pitched 89 and two thirds innings, struck out 45, and had a 71 ERA plus. 
all of that equates to a war of minus 0.5. I'm digging this pack for you. Mm. And uh, I, I should have tossed the top five. Yeah, you really should have. Yeah. You have had nothing but negatives. You're at minus 0.7. Ouch. Will he ever dig his way out? Yet to have a positive, uh, positive number. Hawkins was a first round draft pick in 78 by the Padres. All right, so you're at minus 0.7, and I'm, I'm digging it so far. Next, you have got a guy that's wearing two-in-one stirrups right off the bat, so that's mm-hmm. not good for you. And he's a Mariner, though. It's old penitentiary face, Jeffrey Leonard. Jeffrey, don't call me Jeff Leonard. What would you give me if I saw Jeffrey Leonard walking down the street and just said Jeff? Respect. <laughs> I'd be like, it's okay. My name's Jeff, too. It's probably a good <laughs> Uh, let's see, the Hackman, 14 years in the big leagues. He had a pretty good career. Unfortunately, though, 1990 was his final year with the Mariners. <laughs> figures. You know, he had, a pretty, figures. he had a pretty decent season. He hit 251, 10 home runs, 75 RBIs. This is 1990, so you're getting no credit for this. But overall in his career, uh, let's see, he ended up with a 266 average, a 102 OPS plus. How many career stolen bases do you think? old penitentiary face hat 163 all right now you're cheating (laughs) i already had it open i was just looking at it when you said i mean look at this he had years of 23 26 18 and then a couple more of double digits i would have never guessed that with with jeffrey leonard quicker than i thought he was yeah all right well good for you jeff (laughs) so i've i've said the word super bowl so you know the nfl is already going to come after us and now i'm calling a man that rarely smiled. I'm calling him a name he doesn't like. Uh, Jeffrey what? Leonard, also part of the Pittsburgh drug trials that we talked about when we did our Keith Hernandez episode. That's nice. Well, here's you're really going to get on the board here, I feel. It is, well, except for he's a member of the Montreal Expos. So <laughs> here at a minus 0.5, right, on, right in the, out of the gate here, it's Steve Fry. Ah, Fry guy. I'm not sure if we've ever had Steve Fry before. I don't think so either. I remember putting him on my uh, my status pro game. I traded for him at the break or at the, at the trading deadline one year, and he came in and helped us into the playoffs. So uh, I, I have a little fond spot in my heart for Steve Fry. He was a Mariner for a little bit. Well, we've covered that, right? He's, <laughs> he's an absolute middle-of-the-road kind of reliever. Eight years in the big leagues, but yes, he did spend an entire... Part of the season in Seattle, <laughs> where he went 0-3. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In 1991, though, it was his third year in the big leagues. Went 0-1 with a 4.99 ERA, 39 and two-thirds innings, 21 strikeouts, a 74 ERA plus, And that equates to a war of minus 1.1. Oh, good season, man. Now, it doesn't stop there, Mark, because, again, he's on the Expos. So there's a half a point minus, and he's got two and ones. So that is a minus 1.7. My Lord. I am digging this. Have we ever finished someone in the entire no, we haven't. pack with a negative? We well, have not, but... Somebody's got to do it first. You've got a big <laughs> hole to dig out here because you're at minus 2.4. I told you we were coming to play today. I guess. I want to mess with us. Now you've got a rookie prospect card, and I'm interested to know if this guy ever played... Well. This is obviously in Fenway Park. So he obviously played in the big leagues at some point. It is a rookie prospect of Daryl Irvine with the Red Sox. Man, um, maybe I just remember the card. I don't remember this name at all. I don't believe we've ever had him. 
Let's see. He played for three years in the big leagues, all of it with Boston. 91 was his, he only appeared in nine games. That's the fewest games he appeared in. Did not have a record, a 6.0 ERA, only 19, or I'm sorry, 18 innings pitched and eight strikeouts, a 73 ERA plus, and that is a war of only minus 0.2. So, <laughs> oh, wow, I'm picking it up here. Not much going on here with uh, Daryl Irvine picking it up for us. That a boy. Yeah, well, I mean, he's one of your better players so far because it was right? only only a minus 0.2. All right, you got another rookie prospect card. I like this guy. I'm not sure how much uh, value he's going to get you, but uh, here he is, catcher with the Brewers, Tim McIntosh. McIntosh. Don't have a lot of memory of Tim McIntosh. Well, we've had him before on this segment. Uh, 1991 was his second year in the big leagues. He appeared in seven games, so this is sure to get you big, big points. Oh, yeah. He did hit 364, (laughs) and he had a slugging percentage of 727. He had 11 at-bats, four hits, a double, and a home run. It didn't walk, though. Uh, an OPS plus of 197. Now, you will like this. He had a war of a positive 0.1. Absolutely my best player. He is your superstar thus far. That'll take you to only a minus 2.5. So much better. Yeah. Uh, now, Tim McIntosh did go on to play a, a season in Japan for our favorite team, the ham fighters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we know. We know. No need to send us emails. So you are at minus 2.5 and you've only got three cards left here. So you're really going to have to. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to need you to pull a hack Wilson. All right. So you've got another rookie, your third rookie prospect in a row. Pitcher for the Mets wearing that Mets uniform that made the best, best list. It is Julio Valera. Another guy that you know, had a stellar multi-year MVP vote career. (laughs) All of it coming in 91. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Ended up with five years in the big leagues, split up between the Mets, the California Angels, and a single season with the Royals. In 1991, he appeared in two whole games for the Mets. No record. (laughs) No ERA, though. Two, oh, get this, two innings pitched, three strikeouts. Oh, see, something. Four walks. For <laughs> no ERA plus. Not enough number to calculate that. And that is a war of a positive 0.1. Hey, another to the positive. Your battery I mean, is deep. Your battery deep is smoking. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all the way to 0.1. I mean, we are going far, far into the positives here. Yeah. And there is uh, nothing here except for a note that he was traded by the Mets to the Angels in exchange for Dick Schofield. Ah. Remember that trade rocked the baseball Landscape. All right. Your second to last card is a member of the Minnesota Twins. He was a Olympian and it is Shane Mack. Shane Mack was underrated, man. Darn good hitter. Good outfielder. Well, depending on when this was in his career, you might get a positive out of this. Uh, Let's see. Minnesota ended up nine years in the big leagues, five with Minnesota. I think you're going to like this. Had a good year in, uh, in 1991. Appeared in 143 games, 27 doubles, 18 home runs, 74 RBI, 13 stolen bases. He hit 310, 363 on base, and a 529 slugging for an OPS plus of 140. I oh, think this could do it. You, this might even put you in the positives. Might. That is a war of 5.0. Wow. Yeah, his defense was solid. 
just when I was thinking that I was going to get you with a negative. No. Shane Mack pulls me out of the mire. Yeah. As a member of that 1991 World Series team with the Twins. Uh, let's see. His for, for a career, nine years, he hit 299 overall and a 121 OPS plus. Uh, let's see. 80 home runs overall. Never played in uh, never played in, in Japan, though. Or no, I take that back. He played two years in Japan for the Yamayuri Giants. And uh, boy, right, pretty much right on what he did in the big leagues, too. A little bit more power, 20 and 22 home runs. But uh, everything else, pretty much right there. He is the brother of Quinn Mack, who I am not familiar with. Me either. Well, Quinn Mack played for one year, five games for the 94 Seattle Mariners. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, there you go. All right, so you're on the positive now, going down to your last card. You're at 2.6, and your final card is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. It is Mike Morgan. Oh, yeah, Mike Morgan. And wasn't he also a pitcher for the Oakland Athletics? I think Mike Morgan might have pitched for everybody. I think he was around yeah. for quite a while. Let's see here. 22 years in the big leagues. Wow. Mariners, yes. A's, yes. Every team except for San Diego or the Expos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not really, but just about. But neither of us are going to benefit from that. Uh, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different teams. Ricky Henderson-like numbers. Not Edwin Jackson-like, but Ricky Henderson-like uh, numbers for number of teams played. You're going to like this, though. In 91 was his lone all-star year. Oh, nice. So that'll help you out. He ended up going 14-10, and 10, a 2.78 ERA. Wow. Five complete games. 236 in a third inning, 140 strikeouts, and a 129 ERA plus. And all of that is going to equate to a war of 5.1. Plus oh, the year. all-star will be 5.6. He does have the two and ones though. Oh. So that'll just be a 5.5. But man, I mean, two cards ago, you were minus two something. And you ended up with an 8.1. 8.1. I won't say it's respectable, but it's a heck of a lot better than negative 2.1. Yeah. That, uh, you really had a big comeback now there. Now, there is a Mike Morgan Hyundai in Shreveport, Louisiana. Hmm. Uh, I cannot find anything here telling me if this is our Mike Morgan or just, I mean, it seems like a pretty common name. Yeah. And uh, now looking at it, there are... Uh, quite a few Mike Morgan businesses around the Bay area here as well. So not sure that that's going to be the Mike Morgan, but he was nicknamed the, the nomad because of the number of teams that he played for. Baseball players were intelligent enough to name him the nomad. Yeah. I'm surprised they knew what that, what that was. (laughs) Uh, He was on the losing end when Denny Martinez threw his perfect game for the Montreal Expos of which Morgan was perfect through the first five innings. Wow. Okay. That would have been fun to see. Okay, I'm going to guess that he is not the owner of that Hyundai because it says here, currently resides in Ogden, Utah, so that's just strange, and owns World Championship Outfitters, which takes people on private hunts where they shoot defenseless animals for no reason. So, Mike Morgan, yeah. I have got, this is this is doable. 8.1. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lose the top, I'm going to lose the top six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't follow my lead. I learned from you. Let's see who I'm going to lose here. Oh, well, great. <laughs> uh, on top here, Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> Bill Landrum with the Pirates. 
the Candyman, Candy Maldonado with the uh, Guardians. Willie Frazier. I've got a Julio Franco all-star card. That one probably hurts. And I have got a Ramon Martinez K-Man card. So, you know, the Ripken will hurt from the all from the, the Hall of Fame and probably All-Star. But I'm, I'm not sure what his war would be that year. And, and of course, a Julio Franco was probably a pretty good card at that point. But uh, let's see what we got here. So this leads me to my first card is very similar to that K-Man card. It's a special Rifleman card with Bo Jackson. Ooh. And Bo Jackson right off the bat coming in hot with real stirrups and some flip downs. Sweet. All right. So Bo Jackson, eight years in the big leagues. Oh, 91. That's too bad. 91 was his first year with the White Sox, and he only appeared in 23 games. Not going to help me out a whole lot here. Still had three home runs, 12 walks, which is not bad. And uh, let's see, 255, an OPS plus of 107. And that's still a positive 0.1. I'll take it. It ends up being a 0.3 because of the stirrups and the uh, and the flip downs. So off to uh, off to a good start there. Uh, we've covered Bo, I think, enough. We did a good story on his some of the antics when he was making those Bo nose commercials. So go back and check that out. All right. Next, I have got a guy that was uh, twice traded for Ricky Henderson. It is with the New York Yankees, Eric Plunk. Eric Kerr Plunk. Okay, Eric Plunk, 14 years in the big leagues, 1991 with the Yankees. Actually got eight starts that year. I didn't know that they were doing uh, openers in 1991. I guess probably (laughs) some spot starts. Went two and five, 4.76 ERA, 111 two-thirds innings pitched, 103 strikeouts, which is good for an 87 ERA plus. And that is going to get me a minus 0.1, but he does have real stirrups on. So that's a wash. But all right. So I'm at I'm at 0.3. I've got an all or I've got an all star. I've got a, uh, a Hall of Famer, which is good. Ooh. I have got and he is wearing two Mims bands with his uh, caricatures on it. So I got that Boy. going for me, too. Here he is with the Dodgers, his hometown team. It is Mr. Eddie Murray. Boy, between Eddie Murray and uh, Jeffrey Leonard, we got a bunch of guys that don't like to smile. <laughs> 1991 a uh, good news for me more here he's an all-star as well i like where this is headed 153 games apparently he also appeared at third base for at least one game in 1991 interesting hmm. hit 260 uh, 19 home runs 96 rbi stole 10 bases this year as a 35 year old Wow. A hundred a hundred and ten lifetime stolen bases for Eddie Murray. Wow. And only forty three caught stealing. Wow. Let's see. I can only count that way. I can only count I can only count like to three, but I only see three seasons where he was thrown out more than he was successful while stealing. That's pretty darn impressive. That's not what I think of when I think of Eddie Murray. No, no. All of this equates to a 105 OPS plus, and that will equal a war of 1.3. But now let's just stack on the superlatives here. He's a Hall of Famer. So that's a whole point. He's an all-star. So that's uh, half a point. And he has got two sweatbands with his caricatures on it, which is two-tenths of a point. So that is 1.7 in addition to the 1.3. So that is a whole three for me. Wow. I will take it. That jumps me up to 3.3. I like that. 
Ah, well, this is this is nice. The Union Craft Brewery in Baltimore makes a steady Eddie white IPA named after Eddie Murray. And he's I'm got a statue. I'm an IPA guy, but... I like I'm wheat. Not, I don't like IPAs at all, but I like wheat beer. I, I Yeah, exactly. I'm not an IPA guy, but I, I would drink Steady Eddie just out of principle. I would buy it just to have the can to like, you know, put up some, just on a shelf somewhere. Next, this is a really cool card. It is Kurt Stilwell of the of the Royals, but he is jumping over a Texas Ranger who I cannot tell who it is, although they're wearing a Mims band, but I don't get credit for that. Trying to turn a double play. He does have eye black on, though, so that's good. But here is Kurt Stilwell of the Royals. Kurt Stilwell's father, Ron Stilwell, played for the Washington Senators. I am not familiar with Ron Stilwell. Are you familiar with the Washington Senators? I am. I, I am familiar with them, and I can see that uh, his father only appeared in 14 games, so there's probably a good reason that I am not familiar with the guy that only appeared in 14 games in the 60s for the Washington Senators. <laughs> you should know this stuff. Yeah, I guess we should. We This is a baseball history podcast. Uh, let's see. Kurt Stillwell, nine years in the big leagues. In uh, most of it was with Kansas City, four years there. 1991, 122 games, hit 265. He had six home runs, 51 RBI, and an 89 OPS plus. All of that equates to a war of 1.0 plus the eye black. So I'm at least going the right way. That'll get me a 1.1. There you go. And that'll take my total up to 4.4. Still trailing your 8.1, but I'm, I'm feeling good thus far. Kurt enjoys uh, walks on the beach and virgin pina coladas. Well, you know, I remember when uh, when we, when I first got into collecting cards in the mid to late 80s, every card listed the player's hobbies and they were all hunting and fishing, including Ricky Henderson, who does not hunt nor fish. Uh, but it says here that after Stillwell's playing career, he became a fishing guide. Ooh. At least, you know, I don't mind fishing. Hunting, I'm not a fan of, as you might have gathered. Next, I've got another Hall of Famer. This is good news for me. It's a Mariner Hall of Famer, although he did not go in as a Mariner. It Ah. is none other than the big unit, Randy Johnson. Now, did you catch him late enough in his career to get a good year? Did lead the league in walks this year. This was the, the sandwich year of his three consecutive years leading the league in walks. Who, who did Randy, what hat did Randy Johnson wear in the Hall of Fame? I think he's a Diamondback. Hmm. Okay. Randy Johnson, of course, 22 years in the big leagues, long career, 91 with the Mariners. He went 13 and 10 with a 3.98 ERA, 152 walks, as I said, to lead the league in 201 and a third innings, did strike out 228 for an ERA plus of 103, right, right about league average. And uh, that will get me a war of 3.0. He is a Hall of Famer, though, so that will be a plus four. And rocket me into the lead. As I said, I'm here to I'm here to chew gum and kick butt. And uh, I'm. Yeah, you stra- came into this with a fire in your eyes. Yeah, I'm straight out of bubble gum here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. You are correct. He is the first member of the Hall of Fame to be uh, depicted in a Diamondbacks hat on the plaque. Randy uh, participates in the USO United Service Organizations, uh, which is really cool. He uh, his big thing is uh, fighting homelessness. Oh, good for him. Also, a photographer, a drummer. Uh, he's He's got a lot of things going on. Um, now, this is very interesting. I'm looking through some stuff here. I did not know this. So 
this is after the uh, prior to the trade deadline in 1993, Johnson was nearly dealt to the Blue Jays for Steve Carsey and Mike Timlin. Ooh. He had that deal on the table. He also had one where he was going to trade Randy Johnson to the A's for Ricky Henderson. Wow. Wow, that's wow. right. That would have changed things around. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very interesting. Just imagine if I would have been a big, had to become a big Mariners fan for some time. Yeah. Oh, I, you, I you would have had to. Did not know that. Uh, of course, we've got the, the poor bird in spring training in 2001. Oh, yes. R.I.P. Bird. F and chat. So uh, I'm in the lead. I have got five cards left here. So we're ready to just, again, not look back. Next, I've got a uh, pitcher for the Brewers, who is unfortunately wearing two and ones. It's Dan Plesak. Oh, Dan Plesak was a fantastic pitcher. I believe he's on the MLB network now. Yes. And uh, he's also, I thought it was his son, but he's the uncle of Zach yeah. Plesak. Yes, his nephew is playing some good baseball right now. Well, nobody's playing baseball right now here, but okay, now in a general sense of years, <laughs> I know I'm just giving you a hard time now. All right. Let's see. 1991. Not a great year for Dan. Two and seven. Four point two nine ERA. A 94 ERA plus. Dan, don't take me back down. I just got the lead here. Uh, let's see. Still a war, though, of a positive point six. Uh, that'll be a point five because of the dreaded two and ones but all i want is just to keep moving forward and and dan is he's like my number four starter here number five starter he's just keep keep the boat going well this is nice uh, he's always been a, a big horse racing fan and became a horse trainer after retirement and once wow. saved an old horse he previously owned after learning it was left in poor condition that's nice Aww. all right i'm a dan plesak fan now Next, we've got a guy, I remember this guy with the White Sox, Don Paul, pitcher, P-A-L-L. I am not recalling that name. Let's see, the Pope. I think we've even talked about him before. The Pope, Don Paul. Get it? Don Paul. The th- oh, Don, Don Paul, Paul the third. Yeah. See, now that, I, somebody, a baseball player did not come up with that. Somebody else <laughs> came up with that. That is way too clever. Let's see, 1991, good year for the Pope. Seven and two with a 2.41 ERA, straight reliever, appeared in 51 games, 71 innings, 40 strikeouts, a 166 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 1.5. He's got some beautiful real stirrups on there, so that'll be a 1.6, and that will bring me up to 10.5, sticking it to you. Yeah, this is, we're putting in the bat boy. All right, uh, next we've got a guy with a gun. And I'm not talking Reggie Jackson and, and the naked gun. I'm talking Jesse Barfield here with the Yankees. Oh, yes, Jesse, one of my favorites. Jesse's got some real stirrups on, which I can appreciate here. Let's see, in uh, 12 years in the big leagues, only two teams, both Toronto and New York. Uh, those are the only two teams he appeared for. In 91, he was just okay. He was 31 years old. Played in about half the games. He hit 17 home runs, 48 RBI, a 225 average, 312 on base for a 108 OPS plus. And that will equate to a war of 1.9 plus the stirrups is an even two, which I like. I, I feel like I've got this in hand, but I am pulling nobody. We're, <laughs> and we're going to take extra bases. So just be warned. All right, we may throw inside. I'm just saying. That's okay. We're ready to fight. Uh, also played with the Yamiuri Giants. 
with Lloyd Mosby, who he was teammates with with the Astros. It uh, looks like he was going to be the, uh, he was projected to be the opening day right fielder in 1994 with the Astros, but he got injured in spring training and then retired. Oh, wow. That's a bummer. Uh, his son was an infielder with the Padres and the Guardians. Uh, another son was selected by the Mets, but did not play. All right, so I got two cards left here. First is uh, with the Tigers wearing some nice real stirrups. It's pitcher Paul Gibson. Paul Gibson from the Tigers. Yeah, I do remember that. Oh, this is the Paul Gibson with the big science teacher glasses, too. And he is wearing them. I like this. <laughs> That's good. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there he is. He's got real stirrups and he's got the big glasses on. I like you. All right, let's see. Five and seven, 4.59 ERA. 68 games, all in relief, 96 innings pitched, 52 strikeouts, a 91 ERA plus, and that equals a war of minus 0.3, but it'll only be minus 0.1 because of those glasses and stirrups. But I think that's my only my only negative so far this game. Seems like it. All right. Now, I have not seen this card, but I'm going to have to look this up. So, Oh, too bad. So these are 91 score. Gibson's 89 score. There is a sought after error card that was corrected as well. The final card shows him preparing to deliver a pitch while an infielder is standing next to second base. The initial version, however, uh, it was he was warming. He was throwing a pitch and the infielder was grabbing his midsection, if you know what I mean, doing a little <laughs> adjustment of the cup. <laughs> that was noticed, and obviously the card became pretty popular. They reissued the card with the infielder's arm airbrushed out. All oh, right. my, I don't remember that. I don't either, but we're going to look it up right here. Yep, there it is. That is uh, definitely a cup adjustment. Uh, and there is the airbrush. for. Oh, they just airbrushed his hand. So his arm is just going into the side of him at that point. Uh, looking at the at the card here. Oh, no, that's the second baseman. I, I see. It's like it's kind of a, a different perspective, but that's not Lou Whitaker. So let's see who uh, a Jim Wald Wallwander Whalewander. I remember that name. I don't remember how to pronounce it. Yeah. Wow, they had both Billy Beans on the team that year. Uh, let's see, Yvonne de Jesus, Tori Luvello. I don't know who Luis Salazar. There you go. There's a name. I know who that is. That's Luis Salazar. There is. That's interesting. All right. Well, you can get yourself one of those cards on eBay for just $2, my friend. You know, if a card from 1989 is still going for $2, I'd say it's probably, a, uh, that's a good price. Yeah. Not many cards <laughs> are worth much that much. in the junk wax era are worth anything. Mm -mm. All right. So I'm at 12.4. My final card, which unless it's a minus 0.4 war, I'm going to win finally. And I don't think I'm going to lose here. It is... Big Daddy, Cecil Fielder. Oh, yeah, he'll have some numbers for you. I like this. 1991, he was an all-star. Mm -hmm. Came in second in the MVP voting for the second year in a row. Led the league in home runs and RBI. He hit 261, a 347 on base, a 513 slugging percentage, 44 home runs, 25 doubles, and 133 RBI for a 133 OPS plus, and that equals a 3.8 war, plus Ooh. the all-star, that'll bump me up to 4.2, and I can't see the stirrups, but I think that's enough. 
Yeah, you, you've made your statement, pal. 16.6. So I doubled you up. I told you we were coming today. And you guys uh, came in confident. And then, you know what? We uh, we were looking past this game. You've, we've been pushed over. You know, we've been stepped upon once too many times. We were a little, little <laughs> mad today. Darn it. All right. That brings my win total up to nine. You were still at 14. And yeah, that feels good. I'm going to I'm going to savor this one for a while. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Let's start to wrap up the show. If you just had so much fun today that you can't get enough of us, we are always available for your entertainment on all the socials where you can be found at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise, Twitter, Instagram. We need to get back and do another video uh, on Twitch and YouTube. We haven't done one for about a month. We'll look into it. Beyond that, you can also get a hold of us via email. Mark's going to tell you how to do that. Sure, you can write to us at Two Strike Noise, T-W-O, Strike Noise, at gmail.com. And Mark, we've actually gotten a couple of very interesting emails. I think next week we're going to dive into a couple of those because uh, some of them are from names that uh, some of our listeners might know, especially if they've listened to our show. Yeah, let's uh, let's put that on the docket for next week. We've got some very interesting emails that we've gotten from some very interesting people, and we'll we'll dive into that next week. But until then, we want to thank you again for joining us on this episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs>